Good morning. You are listening to Listen Local, and I am your host, uh, Julian Mark. And um, I have a special guest here today. Uh, no Joe Eskenazi, as usual, our managing editor. We are here with Rachel Church. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm feeling pretty good this morning. Um, and why is that, Rachel? Because I got my daughter out of the house in a timely fashion and uh-huh. had a couple cups of coffee to help wake my brain up. So <laughs> That, uh, you know, it's the simple things, right? It is, yes. Um, so, um, Rachel actually was profiled by, um, uh, our, uh, editor, um, uh, managing editor, Joe Eskenazi, um, and it was an, ex- it was a very, very, um, uh, powerful, powerful story, uh, that Rachel had to tell, and, um, you know, we're very grateful that she's here, uh, to, um, you know, kind of flesh it out for us here, uh, again today. Um, Rachel, um, you know, I guess, you know, starting out, what do you think, um, you know, your story um, is, if you were to sum it up, what it is about? I would say the life of a young runaway. Um, and I became a prostitute young at 14 and hooked on um, various uh, substances, opiates being one. And um, alcohol be coming into the story a little bit later on. But for the most part, a young uh, teenage runaway from a small town up north, um, Pioneer, California. Uh uh So just, you know, kind of going through substance abuse and programs and things like that. And then um, meeting someone who took time to invest in me and helping me out with getting into City College and... Yeah, so education came in later on. Could I ask you how it is uh, that, um, you know, uh, Joe got to, you know, write about your story? I called Mission Local. In fact, I was just really excited to let um, different people who see me every single day in the mission know that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I'm alive. (laughs) I made it. I have a story to tell and maybe I can inspire someone else to do the same. And that's what was going through your head when you when you called our number. Yes, and I uh-huh. just get such a um, a serious response when I'm walking down the street, like, "Oh, it's you!" You know, yeah. like they can't believe I went from that um, short-haired, buzz-cut robot chicken look to kind of like <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, to kind of just you know, long hair, makeup, all that, and I can actually speak and sound like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So it's shocking to people because I was um, suffering from a gravely disabling alcohol addiction. So I wanted to tell that. That's, um, and, you know, I think a lot of people are, you know, very grateful, you know, that you did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, could you just describe just, you know, a little bit about, you know, your home life and why you ran away? So I grew up in Pioneer, California, Uh which is an hour and 20 minutes northeast of Stockton off of Highway 88. And my hometown is a little less than 2,000 people. And it's a small town and Mm -hmm. it's, um, it was hard for me. I got bullied a lot in school. My friend spoke about it with Joe um, over the phone. She gave some information regarding the bullying and things like that. So when I got bullied, it was hard for me to go home and talk to my aunt because she was always passed out on opiates. And it was hard to run away from Pioneer because it's up in the Sierra Nevada foothills. So I waited until I got to my grandma's house in Antioch and I ran from there off of um, near Lone Tree. And I got on BART and I came here. Um, but Pioneer is very, um, it's like a retirement kind of area. (laughs) It's nice. It snows during the winter. Um, I can remember the snow falling out my bedroom window. 
and um, you know just the smell of the pine trees and all of that and then coming here you know I made myself pretty vulnerable because I had that um, small town trusting personality oh, right. yeah, yeah. that's kind of one reason why I got hurt a lot mm-hmm. um, just you know that howdy personality doesn't quite work out here no. um, in the mission so I became accustomed to this pretty quick after running away and, you know, when you got into the mission at first, you know, were you, did you have a place to stay or were you? No, I was, I was definitely right on the street. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Just, I'd say I'd slept in front of the Victoria Theater right there wow. on 16th between Mission and Cap. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd slept in front of Jim's restaurant. I'd been in quite a few of the motels, the Eula, the Krishna, the Radha, the Prita, um, the Capitan, places like that. And, you know, what did the mission, you know, look like to a small town, you know, uh, girl? And, uh, <laughs> you know, what what was it, you know, what did you know, what struck, stuck out to you? So, definitely our house in Pioneer was surrounded by, if you look on Trulia, I think it's a little over a thousand square feet of pine trees. <laughs> so, definitely more buildings, more structures, um buses and things like that in pioneer you have one transit it's amador rapid transit Mm. so just like a lot more transportation um just it seems like everybody just was a step away from the next high or the next drink Mm. you know not it wasn't like that in pioneer even though drugs were up there and and so you know what did um you know what did you end up doing what was your life like so i was a young prostitute Mm -hmm. And really part of that was coming from Pioneer. I got made fun of a lot for having freckles and red hair. Oh, my God. And I didn't even shower in gym because they had a certain name for me for being a redhead. (laughs) So when I came here, when I started using opiates, I had the courage to wear skirts and things. And I went to that thrift store on 17th and Mission that closed down. Mm -hmm. And I would get the cute little skirts and things like that. And Uh I kind of explored myself um, you know, like in Pioneer, I wore sweats and long sleeves in a hundred degree weather because I was afraid to show my freckles. And oh. then, you know, getting off the school bus, crying to my Aunt Diane, who wouldn't listen to me because she was on opiates. And then coming here and using drugs helped me to open up and explore myself and just see who I was. But it wasn't the right way. It wasn't the healthy way. But that's kind of what led to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just prostitution. I think I became numb pretty quick. Hmm. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, I've just, I just learned how to bottle my feelings Mm. so much. Like I just pushed everything down. And my grandma used to say to my aunt Diane, because my mom passed away from alcohol when I was nine years old. But, um, she used to tell my aunt Diane who was raising me that we needed therapy, but my aunt Diane was afraid that we would talk about her drug use and therapy. Mm. So, um, definitely, you know, like I, I started pushing a lot of that down and using drugs and being with various guys, kind of looking for that father figure a little bit because most guys I was with were at least twice my age. And this happened on, um, you know, where, where, where would this usually take place? So right here on Cap Street. So Mm. it's really nice to come into some of these businesses because I kind of felt like, um, I was always looking in, you know, and I, and I feel like through, 
everything. Now I can be on that other side. I can be inside of that building talking to someone like you, Julian, and like getting to know uh, life on these standards, you know? Well, um, before we get to the, you know, before we get Mm -hmm. to, you know, your life now, I want, you were, you were telling me earlier about a, a, you know, an interesting, um, or actually just a terrible encounter that, you know, Mm -hmm. you had, you know, with, um, with law enforcement here. So, yes, I was 15 years old Mm -hmm. and I was using an alias, um, so that when they'd arrested me, I said I was born in 82, which would have made me, I'm born in 84, but it would have mm-hmm, made me mm-hmm. 18 at the time I was out here. Oh, okay. But um, I had an officer pick me up on the corner of 18th and Cap, and that was back in the days when um, there, there were these vans that used to drive down the street and these people would pass out peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, socks, syringes, and, uh, condoms. So, so, people so when would, he asked uh-huh. me what I was doing, uh-huh. I said, I'm passing out condoms. Uh-huh. I wanted him to think like I was like one of those people that kind of did that for us working girls. Oh, I see. I see. I see. It was my easy way of saying, I'm not working. I promise you, I don't uh-huh. want to be arrested for this and uh-huh. go to jail. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So... There was a conversation and he was talking to me from the driver's side seat of the black and white police car and the window is down and I could tell you what I was wearing. I was wearing um, windbreaker pants and a windbreaker jacket. My hair was down. It was curly. Uh And I remember him telling me, we're going to stage this like an arrest. You're going to come with me. I'm not arresting you. And he put me in the back seat. And we um, then he got back into the driver's side seat. And we went up 18th to Mission. And it's funny how trauma, you can remember all these details. Mm. And we went to Mission and then a right down Mission um, to 16th, a right up 16th to Potrero. And then um, that Safeway right there on um, on uh, 16th and Potrero. I'm pretty sure that he, uh, so he went left on Potrero and then he went uh, behind that Safeway. And there's kind of some trees that hang over the area we parked and there were these two like metal poles I don't know what they use those for but they were coming out of the concrete and I just remember him putting me in the front seat I gave him um I performed a date because I know I'm on the radio so I performed a date and he um gave me ten dollars and then took me and dropped me off on the corner of 16th and Mission where I then scored opiates and how old were you at this point? I was 15. Mm, and that was probably... Oh. I would say it was probably about January of 2000. And I would have been 16 in January of 2000. I mean, I'm in March of 2000. And at this point, you had already kind of been, you know, numb and... Super numb. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I could tell you the details of it, like what I was wearing, how my hair looked, um, it becomes like, you can almost smell that, like, you know, and then like the feeling of me leaning over and doing what I was doing in his car with the radios in the center kind of pushing up against my stomach. Wow. Wow. I remember it all very specifically. Was it shocking that, that this was happening with law enforcement? It was. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of gave you a little bit of status on the street because people were like, okay, they're not going to arrest her, mm. you know, because especially when you're involved in drugs and alcohol, the first thing you think of is how long am I going to be in jail? Right. Especially when it's opiates or alcohol, because right. you're like, when can I get the next one? Mm-hmm. Unless they're going to give me some kind of a detox, right. like when am I going to get that? So it was kind of a privilege to have an officer pick you up and date you because... You knew you weren't going to jail. 
So from that point, you've, you know, you've come a really long way, you know, leading to ultimately to, you know, to the phone call at Mission Local, uh, you know, obviously, you know, leading to your taking, uh, your, you know, courses at um, City College, and soon you'll be working, you know, uh, you know, somewhere pretty big, a local news station, a local news station. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there were there were a lot of fits and starts along the way. But what what do you think was the turning point for you? I would say the second officer that I did a date with who picked me up on 16th and uh, Bryant right next to mm. that Party City right. store. Um, in fact, it was a little bit further down in front of, um, there's kind of the side of 24-hour fitness and there's like a small little parking lot right there uh-huh. on 16th. Uh-huh. I mean, on Bryant. Uh-huh. Um, between 16th and I think Alameda. But yeah, he picked me up and it was our agreement that I would do a date as opposed to going to jail. And it was at the tail end of my alcohol addiction, a gravely disabling alcohol addiction. And by that, I mean just Mm. the worst of the worst, no shoes, short hair, etc. And he drove me. um, I don't remember the exact streets like I do the first officer when Mm -hmm. I was 15, Mm -hmm. which is funny because I remember more details from that. Even smell and the feel of the radios Mm. in the car while performing. But uh, he drove me to um, Persia and Mission, which is just like right up above Ocean and Mission. And he dropped me off and said he was going to go pick up his own car. And I believe in retrospect that he did that because there was a camera in his car. Mm -hmm. But the first officer didn't do that. Mm. So um, he came back in a gold gold SUV. It was kind of a bubble-like gold SUV. It Mm. wasn't quite a huge one, but it was a little bit smaller. Right, right. And he was still in uniform and he gave me $20 for me to perform. And I did. And um, when I went into recovery, I made sure to write Nancy Pelosi's office about it. And she forwarded it to Department of Police Accountability here in San Francisco. But I wanted them to know about this particular officer and just I'm not in it for monetary gain or for publicity. I'm really in it for um, people to know what these officers do Mm. um, and possibly, you know, intervening at some point and just kind of holding them to a higher standard. Yeah. Um, So that was at the tail end of my alcohol addiction. Uh uh And um, then I went through a program at 214 Health Right 360 on um, Haight and Laguna. Okay. I was there for about eight months Uh from January of 2015 to August of 2015, and I did really well. I graduated um, San Francisco Drug Court. Uh, Maria Evangelista was my Hmm. public defender. She actually reached out to Joe and CC'd me. She does remember Mm me. Mm -hmm. I've always done an exceptional job in the court system. Um, the only thing that's helping me now are all the services that I get. Yeah. And talk about those services. I mean, are they, they're provided by the city or, okay. So, um, in November of 2017, um, child and family services Mm -hmm. is the politer way of saying child protective services. (laughs) They got involved because me and my husband, um, had a disagreement and Mm -hmm. the police came Mm -hmm. And um, they kind of just wanted to check in with me on like um, a here to their basis. But mm-hmm. when I came down to 170 Otis with a little bit of tequila on my breath at 9 a.m., she was, you know, my emergency worker 
who was dealing with the case said, you know, Rachel, I think you're going to need program. Mm. So I got, you know, into program December 12th of 2017, okay. about a mm-hmm. week and a half or almost two weeks after they got involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a CPS case, but hey, that's one thing I'm familiar with is program. What so. is a CPS case? So basically they just, you know, uh, San Francisco believes in reunifying. And what that oh, means okay. is if there's kind of some struggles within the family, mm-hmm. that CPS, I like... I like child family services a okay. little better. Okay. It's a little oh, right. bit oh, more. Oh yeah, okay. It's a little child bit more. Child protective service. Okay, of course. Right. <laughs> it's a little bit more right, right. Um, uh-huh. parent friendly. Right, right, right. So they get involved and they put you into just so many different kind of services. Um, uh-huh. So that would be program residential, and I did residential for about eleven months. Mm-hmm. And then um, therapy every week or bi-weekly if I'm doing really good. But um, I like to do weekly because I have a lot to work through. My daughter does the infant parent program at Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital um, on the sixth floor. Mm -hmm. And that's every Friday. We go um, intermittently. It will be at the hospital and then at my place. And we also got um, Bringing Families Home which mm. is located on the third floor of homeless prenatal. And what that is, is your CPS worker has this special loophole that she can jump through or he can jump through to get you onto the Section 8 waiting list. I see. But it's not a four to six year wait like some people uh-huh. experience. It's like nine months I waited. And then wow. now we're being placed and I move into a two-bedroom flat in Laurel Village this weekend. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's it right there. That's just like the icing on the cake. And like for me, I just want to raise my daughter in this beautiful place. And we have a backyard. She could play in the backyard Uh and maybe even get a dog after a year because they said they want to see what kind of tenants we are. But I'm one of those in the SRO I'd stayed in. I remember paying my rent three days before (laughs) because I I want that. I desire this. I desire being clean and sober. I desire. And if you you solve the housing issue, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. easy. Right. Huh. If I'm homeless, hey, what am I gonna? I'm gonna make enough to stay in a motel and go get a drink, so I don't have to deal with the feelings of right. being homeless. Right. 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 So you're saying that you you're saying that having having homes for people is is yes. going, is absolutely crucial for stabilizing. Yes, and not million dollar condominiums, right, but like right. um, mm. you know, affordable affordable housing units. Right. Right. And Laurel, where, sorry, remind me, where is Laurel Village okay, located? So, <laughs> Laurel Village uh-huh. is um, right next to Pacific Heights, so oh. it is a little bit, um, it's a privilege to kind of move to that type of a neighborhood. Well, you showed me a picture and it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's Geary and Spruce. Uh-huh. It's actually a block away from that explosion that happened on Parker and Geary. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, now I see why the unit was available. <laughs> but I can promise you that um, this is my opportunity, yeah. you know, because there was a time when I stayed in a cold motor home with mm-hmm. uh, with my husband who we got married September 26, 2017. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I put my wedding dress on in a motor home and then we went to City Hall, got married and went to the North Beach restaurant in North Beach with uh, Mario who's been a father in my life since I was 19 years old. Mm. Like a surrogate father. He's just right. someone who goaded me to go to college, etc., etc. Right. So um, we all ate at the North Beach restaurant mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, just being homeless in that motor home and working every day, but not making enough to, to pay rent in a right, place. Right. It's hard. Like I applied for an apartment in the Bayview and they, it was $1,600 a month. Wow. 
And I said, I make 17. He said, no, you that, that that's not going to work. Right, right. He's like, you have to make three times the rent to live here or sure. have some type of a, like a, a stipend or some kind yeah. of, um, you call that a subsidy, not a stipend, yeah, yeah. but a rental subsidy mm-hmm. or Section 8. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this was a blessing. This I've definitely went to Walgreens already and I made personalized thank you cards for everybody on my team, right. including my family treatment court judge. Yeah, so I'm that happy, that yeah. grateful, and it's a picture of my daughter with a balloon standing in front of the new unit. That's that's great. How old's your daughter? She's two, like 27 months, a oh, little that's more great. than two years. That's great. Will you tell us her name or Alessandra? If you say it with the Spanish accent, <laughs> I always call her Mamacita. Um, <laughs> she's just everything to me. Right. Um, mm. She's uh, amazing. We spend. The time she's not in daycare and I come home, I make sure all my homework's done during the school day. Right. And we just spend hours and hours reading stories um, like Oso Pardo, Oso Pardo, like brown bear, brown bear. Mm. And like some of, I think it's Que Vasahi, Que Vasahi. So I'm learning my Spanish, but I know she speaks Spanish already because I put her in a solo Espanol speaking daycare. Oh, that's so great. So she can learn that. That's excellent. And some days she's talking to me in Spanish, but when I'm not knowing exactly but to say like I go and kind of do my research but um she's definitely she fills my heart with joy there's no more void it feels Mm. really good I enjoy I enjoy soaking all of this up I soak every single thing up especially these social interactions so, you know, one thing that's kind of on my mind is that, you know, you, you, you talk about all of the, the services that helped you, you know, come to where you are. But I'm wondering, you know, for 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 those, you know, who were in your position, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a similar position now, is it enough, you know, to have services or, you know, how much falls on um, how much falls on you and how much falls on your circumstances and how much, you know, because it, clearly it's not just, you know, yeah. these other people. Yeah. So it's also going to the gym. Um, self-care is huge. Huh, so like for me, um, getting a good cardio workout for at least 45 uh-huh, minutes uh-huh. a day is really important. One, I hope to reduce the plaque in my arteries in about 20 years. And I also think that stress on top of that is just the best way to battle it is uh, working out. So, um, yeah, just working out, self-care, going to like the salon, maybe mm-hmm. just spending a little bit of time in the mirror. That's hard for me in an outpatient program um, at Lee Woodward Counseling Center. We kind of talk about this in the outpatient program mm. about the mirror. So I spend a little bit more time detailing my makeup because I've been through a lot. I've I've been abused. Uh-huh. I've been physically yeah. abused, yeah. mentally abused, verbally abused, but to have that time in front of the mirror and just kind of looking at myself for who I am and just walking out the front door with a smile on my face. So yes, there are the providers, but there's self-care that comes in. So that's, you know, uh, going to the park, DeBose Park and right. running around and playing with the dogs with Alessandra because we don't <laughs> have one yet. Yeah, right, right, right. And things like that. Just self-care uh-huh. is big. So tell me about this. I mean, they, you, you talk about time in front of the mirror. What do they, what do they ask you to do? I mean, like, what is, what is the philosophy there? Affirmations. Affirmations. So kind of the idea behind an affirmation is, I guess that faking it till you make it, you know, like Hmm. I am beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, There is something about me that um, others do want to see, you know, like I have something to bring to the table, things like that. Just saying those kind of positive affirmations in front of the mirror. Interesting. And then the idea is one day that you'll integrate them into your, um, your way of thinking. 
That's that's fascinating. I yeah. mean, is it you know we you develop you also begin to develop a relationship you know uh, another mm. relationship with yourself, right? Right, which is important because as a single mom, yeah. I think they say you have to love yourself yeah. before you can love others. Right, and I right, think that right. was like the last thing they mentioned in the article yeah, was my yeah. friends calling out to me, "We love you," and mm-hmm. just saying, "Hey, you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else." That's, um, that's great. So I guess, you know, to kind of close out, you know, if you had, you know, if you wanted to tell any of, you know, anybody, you know, what, you know, what you suggest and what you recommend and just give, give some, some, some real, I mean, other than, you know, other than what you just said, you know, I mean, that's great advice, but is there anything else that, that you want to tell, tell folks for making it? Well, I would say having an open mind. Uh Uh-huh. Some somewhere where I'm learning a lot about that is in dialectical behavioral mm. thinking groups. So okay. DBT, just huh. really coming at it with an open mind, yeah, which yeah. means two um, two ideas could possibly be right at the same time. Oh, interesting. Which kind of takes that argumentative fashion out of the out of the equation. And uh-huh. um, I would say just trying to smile and um, affirmations right. and spending time with your loved ones, whether that mm. be friends, yeah. adopted family, real family, your yeah. kids, your mm. pets, mm-hmm. um, and self-care. So right. for me, um, definitely spending that time at the gym and all the time I spend reading to my baby so, or my toddler. She'll That's always great. be my baby. Yeah. But, yeah. Rachel, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on with me. It was uh, you know, great, great talking to you. Thank you, Julian, and I really appreciate this too.
Sava.